Just a couple little updates while they're going. Uh, 74 of you, uh, as of last night, had taken the Ministry Insight tool. And if you haven't done that, uh, we'd invite you to do that. There's something in your program about that. Uh, it will end uh, tomorrow. So this is the last full day you'll be able to do that. If you haven't done that, we'd encourage you to do that. And then, uh, parents, you'll be given an opportunity at the end of the message to retrieve your kids from Bridge Kids if they want to be a part of uh, the commissioning of the Hoffman family. So we'll give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, we have Bibles uh, for you. If you didn't bring a Bible, I'd encourage you to just uh, catch the attention of one of our ushers, and they will give you one, just like the one I'm holding in my hand. And if you need one, if you don't have one, Take it home with you. We'd love for you to have that and to keep it. We will be in Romans chapter 10 today, and that can be found on page 788 in this Bible. So I'd invite you to turn there. I was talking with somebody recently about the honor flight, and uh, an interesting story came up. The person told me about a Japanese soldier who lived on the island of Guam long after the war ended. Uh, thinking the war was still going on. So I looked it up online and found some really interesting uh, facts about what took place then. Uh, Shoichi Yokoi was a lance corporal in the Japanese army in World War II. Uh, he was on the island of Guam when U.S. forces uh, stormed that area in July of 1944, and, and the U.S. Uh, defeated the Japanese there on Guam that day, and uh, Shoichi Yokoi and some friends retreated into the jungles rather than to surrender. Uh, he dug a cave near a waterfall, covered it with bamboo and reeds, and lived off the land um, and was there for 28 years, thinking the war was still going on. Um, he was there with some others, and they died off one by one because of the harsh conditions in the jungle. And the last two surviving companions perished in floods in 1964, but Shoichi Yokoi went on to live there another eight years alone until he was discovered by some hunters passing through the area. He had no idea that the war had ended in 1945. Nobody told him. And he believed he was still in danger. He believed that he brought shame upon Japan by not dying in service to Emperor Hirohito. So Japanese government officials found out that he was there, flew to Guam in 1972, 28 years after the war ended, um, to let him know that he could come home now. Hadn't seen his homeland in nearly 30 years. Years. Now think about that for just a second. This man lived in fear for 30 years, unaware that the war was over. All the people that he hid from, all of the hardships he endured, all of the fears that he lived with day by day over all those years, he could have been free from all of that if someone had just given him the news that the war was over. When you've been at war for years, the end of hostilities comes as a welcome relief no matter which side you're on. But you need someone to share the good news with you that the hostilities are over, the war has ended, if that's going to make a difference in your life. And what I want us to see is that it's really the same with the gospel of Christ. 
In Christ, we can have peace with God. We can be forgiven, reconciled to God, adopted into his family. But someone's got to share the good news for that to happen. This service this morning is about commissioning. We're commissioning the Hoffman family to go as our missionaries to the Middle East, and we get to be their sending church. That is a huge privilege. We're also, if you expand that a little bit, commissioning our graduates because they're leaving too, and they're going to different places, doing different things, and they'll be bringing the gospel with them as well. Broaden it out a little further and think about how each one of us represents Christ in a different part of this community, different part of the state, different part of the nation, maybe in the world. We're all ambassadors for Christ, messengers of his with a message to bring to people who need it. People all around us need to hear about Jesus. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 10. Again, that's on page 788 in the Bibles that we provide. Romans chapter 10. I, I believe that this passage, uh, as, we, as we look at, at verses 1 through uh, 15, focusing on 9 to 15, um, I think the passage shows us two things. One is the need for the gospel message, and two is the need for gospel messengers. We're going to be looking at both of those things. First, the, the need for the gospel message. Um, I, I'd like to give us a little bit of background in verses 1 through 8 before we dig into uh, verses 9 to 13. Uh, let's take a look at, at verses 1 through 8. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, but he's writing with his heart burdened for his fellow Israelites, his fellow Jews, descendants of Abraham, uh, God's people, and they're not saved. It is possible to identify as God's people and not be saved. Look at verse 2. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge." It is possible then to be zealous for God and not be saved as well. Paul's heart burden is for these zealous fellow Israelites to be saved. Verse 3, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They tried to establish their own righteousness through adherence to the law. Uh, they thought that if they could stick to the law close enough, they could be good enough to be accepted by God and to be considered righteous before him. But the law was never intended to do that for us. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 24 tells us that the law was given to us to prepare us for Christ, to show us we could never live up to the law and to drive us to the grace of God because we can't make it on our own. So they tried to establish their own righteousness and missed out on God's righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. They tried to work their way into right standing with God, but nobody can do that. We all fall short. Verse 4, Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So this righteousness they tried to establish 
is not to be done through works of the law, but through trusting in Christ. Everyone who believes in Christ is given the gift of righteousness by God. Christ is the culmination of the law. He is what the law pointed to. You may have a version of Scripture that says Christ is the end of the law. Now, it doesn't mean he abolished it. It means he fulfilled it. He is what the law pointed to. The Greek word is telos. We get telescope from that. The thing that, that helps you to see to the end, Christ is the end of the law that way, the fulfillment or culmination of the law. In verse 5, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. So in other words, trying to uh, muster up righteousness through adherence to the law is all about doing. The one who does these things will live by them. So it's about doing, and uh, you just keep doing and wondering if you've ever done enough. Someone said religion is spelled D-O. It's doing and doing and doing and wondering if you've ever done enough. Now, read on with me. Verse 6, but the righteousness that is by faith, not by law, but by faith, says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Why? Because God already did that. Christ already came down. He has done that for us. And look at verse 7 then. Or don't say, who will ascend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Why? Because he's already done that too. And so while religion is spelled D-O and you just keep on doing and hoping you've done enough, Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's done for us in Christ. Anybody want to say amen? Do you do that here? Amen. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful fact of, uh, that the Bible tells us that it's done for us in Christ. And what we need to do is receive that gift of God's righteousness because it's all done in Christ. We put our trust in him and he gives us the righteousness we couldn't earn ourselves. So that's the background for this. Now we get to the heart of the gospel message in verses 9 to 13. Starting in verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The heart of the message is about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I took an evangelism class in seminary. And I'll never forget the day that the professor stood at a whiteboard and asked the class, picture a room full of seminarians, right? Asked the class, what does a person need to believe in order to be saved? And he took his marker and waited. Finally, a student raised his hand and said, I don't know what he said. He said something, and the professor wrote it on the board. He said, anything else? Another hand went up, another thing. He wrote it on the board. By the time we were done, the entire board was filled with things seminary students thought you needed to believe in order to be saved. 
Paul says here, there are two things that you really need to believe. There are two things that are essential. Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. If you believe that, you will be saved. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, he says in verse 9. What we're talking about here is who Jesus is. He's Lord. You know, we've been looking at the Gospel of John for many weeks now, and John keeps coming back to this theme, doesn't he? Of who is this man? Who, who is Jesus? And the Pharisees ask him, who do you think you are? And the Pharisees say, who are you? Uh, these, these things keep coming up, and Jesus keeps doing these things to show who he is. That's the thrust of John's Gospel. Why is that important? It's important because we can't save ourselves. Salvation can only come from God. We can never work our way into it. The Jews should have recognized that and recognized Christ as the fulfillment of the law, the one who can do for us what we could never do for ourselves. So it's important who Jesus is if he's going to do that because only God can save. And if Jesus isn't God, he can't save. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here we're talking about the centrality of the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That is the, the central event in Christian history and all of human history that Jesus died bearing our sins on himself, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day to declare victory over sin and death. If he wasn't raised from the dead, we would have no awareness that he had defeated sin and death for us. The resurrection proves his victory. And this is the message then that we proclaim. And we have become that message's ambassadors, representatives, messengers. We need to be really clear about the gospel message. It's not about working our way into God's favor like the Jews were trying to do. Some of my liberal friends want to make the gospel about social issues. It's not. Some of my conservative friends want to make the gospel about political issues. It's not. It's about who Jesus is and what he did for us. Verse 9 again, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because the gospel is about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And without that message, people are separated from God for eternity. We need the gospel message. This is the greatest message ever given. That's why it's called good news. But even the greatest message ever won't accomplish anything if nobody shares it. And, and so now we come to the need for gospel messengers. Look at verses 14 and 15. He's talked about the, the need for the gospel message Verses 14 and 15 speak about the need for gospel messengers. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach 
unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So people can't call on God. They can't, they can't um, respond to the gospel message by calling to him and saying, I need you, if they haven't been able to put their faith in Christ by, by first hearing and then believing the word. So they can't believe the message if they haven't heard it. They can't hear it unless someone has told them, and no one can tell them if they haven't been sent. So we send people so that they can share this good news, and people can hear it and believe it and call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So today is about sending. We're commissioning the Hoffman family as they go to the Middle East. They go with the greatest message ever. We're also commissioning our graduates because they're going to new locations, new experiences themselves, and they go with a message. And we each carry that same message ourselves wherever we go. The gospel is spread by people and uh, it spreads through networks of relationships. And the Hoffmans will be establishing new relationships in their new location. And our graduates will be establishing new relationships with the new things they're experiencing. And all of us have relationships into which we can bring good news. I uh, attended a church once that had a big map out in the lobby. It was a world map. And it had little pin lights everywhere where there was a missionary that they supported. If they, if they gave anything at all to a missionary, that missionary was represented with a little pin light on the map. And, and you could see it, and if you step back a couple of steps, they, they had pretty good coverage. Now, I'd like you this morning just to imagine another map, maybe picture it out in the lobby here. Uh, this one's uh, an interactive map. It's, it's, it's moving. Uh, and it's got a pin light for each one of us. Each one of us is, is a little pin light on that map. And right now, there is, there's a cluster of pin lights at 1210 East Claremont, right? Okay, so we're, we're all right here. And when the service is over, uh, we're going to disperse. And, and if you watch that map, you'd be able to see these little pin lights moving throughout the community. And then tomorrow morning, as, as we go to work or school or wherever we're going throughout our day, you see those little pin lights Moving, And if you stepped back and you looked at it, you'd see we've got some pretty good coverage of this area. We're, we're everywhere. But even the best coverage doesn't mean much if we're not sharing the message of the gospel. The war is over. The hostilities have ceased. Jesus has made it possible to have peace with God. We've got the greatest message ever. And the greatest message ever still needs messengers. And that's what we're about this morning. As we commission the Hoffman family to carry this gospel message, we're also commissioning our graduates to carry it and recognizing that each one of us carries it with us as well. So I wanted to pray, and, and then we're going to invite the worship team to come up and lead us in a song and as they do, if you want to bring your kids up from Bridge Kids, that'll be the time to do it. 
So, and you'll have about four minutes, okay? So, let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing gospel message. I pray that you'd help us to be faithful messengers with it, that we may carry the good news to where people still need to hear it so that they can respond and call on your name and be saved. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.